All right, Emmaus, if you would, take your Bible and open to Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible in front of you this morning, it'll be all right. We have the verses up on the screen for you here in just a, just a few minutes. Sorry about that, Ken. Oh, man, what a, what a powerful morning of music and celebrating the Lord's kindness. And what I love so much about the way that Cassidy and Jaron and Brittany put things together this morning is what they've done through this Christmas music. What they've done this morning is they've walked us through the gospel. They've walked us through the story of Scripture. Kids, those of you who are in the room, pre-K up through sixth grade, as you're thinking about the Bible, and man, I hope you bring your Bible on, on Sunday mornings as you're starting to learn about the Bible and how all the pieces fit together, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that one of the things that helps people read the Bible more, it doesn't matter if you're a kid or if you're an adult, one of the things that helps people read the Bible more is when you start to see how the different pieces are connected together. Some of the times when we're giving Bibles to our little kids, and this is perfectly fine, we think about those little Bibles we had when we were kids, and it's this story, and it tells you how to live a better life, and this story, and it tells you how to live a better life. And then you realize that's not exactly how the whole Bible story works. All of these stories are a unified story designed to lead us to Jesus. And they all fit this pattern up here. Kids, if you guys have a Bible, it's great to draw this little picture in the front of your Bible. Adults, this little diagram works great on a napkin at lunch with a friend. It works great with chalk on your driveway. It works great in so many different ways. But this right here is what we've walked through this morning with music. That everything begins with God. Everything begins when we look up and we see that God is the creator of all things. He is a good God who does good things. And when we go away from God, it always leads to brokenness. We live in a world of brokenness and pain and evil and suffering and death. And all those squiggly lines off to the side... Those are all of our human attempts to deal with the brokenness of the world. And most of our lives, kids, if you ask the adults in here, they could tell you what it looks like to live on that squiggly path where you try to fix all your problems and where you try to overcome the suffering of the world and where you try to make things right on our own path. Where does that take us? That takes us further from God. The only way we get back to God is through the cross. When we turn to Jesus and see what he has done for us, as he came to us as a baby, how he died, he rose again, and he will return one day to make all things right. And when you go through the cross, where does that lead you? Right back to God, that you live your life for him and that you will be with him forever. And the great thing about that picture up there is you find that repeated in your Bible time after time after time. And the great thing about Advent, these weeks leading up to Christmas, is we're reminded multiple times in Advent of all these stories in the Old Testament that are designed to show us the story and point us to Jesus. Last week, we talked about Enoch and Noah and Abel. This morning, we're going to talk about Abraham and how the story of Abraham points us to Jesus. And so in your Bible, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. What I'd like to do is I want to walk through Hebrews chapter 11, Verses 8 through 22, just going to make a few points. A lot of the points from these verses will show up next week when we look at Moses and some of the other figures in the Old Testament. So 
We're just going to get things started this morning. I just want to walk through these verses and then at the end give you a couple of things to think about as, as we go out today. It starts in verse 8 and says this, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. That phrase right there, and he went out not knowing where he was going, for some of us in the room, that gives us kind of like cold sweats and shakes and oh my goodness, like the idea that you don't have your week plan and you don't have the trip plan and you don't know where you're going, like oh my goodness, how would I ever live like that? So Amanda and I, within our first year of marriage, we found ourselves back in Oklahoma. We were living in New Orleans. We'd come back to Oklahoma to, uh, Amanda had a friend who was getting married, and so it was that stage in life where you just attend weddings a whole bunch. And so we came back for this wedding, and we weren't able to return directly to New Orleans at the time because a hurricane early in that year, this was the same year of Hurricane Katrina, but another hurricane had come in that, that summer a little bit earlier. And so we were here in Oklahoma, not sure what to do. One of the classes we were supposed to take had been canceled for a while, but we could go back to campus if we wanted there in New Orleans. And so I thought, this is perfect. We can go back to New Orleans. We don't have class this week. And then we can study and get ahead and really get some work done. And Amanda says, we should go to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> See, it's really good. When you think that you should go back to New Orleans and go and get some work and plan ahead, it's really good to be married to someone who says, let's go to the Grand Canyon. Because if you don't know the way geography works, we're in Oklahoma City at the time, and we need to go southeast toward New Orleans, back to where we live and go to school and can do a lot of planning and working ahead on things. The Grand Canyon happens to be located 14 hours directly west of where, of where we need to go. So where do we go? We go to the Grand Canyon, absolutely. Did we have any plan for what we were going to do at the Grand Canyon? Nope. Did we have any plan for where we were going to stay when we got the Grand Canyon? Nope. We ended up borrowing a tent from someone, and we just drove the Grand Canyon, hung out for a couple of days, and then took a very meandering trip back, back to New Orleans. It is hard for us who plan to think about going somewhere where you don't have everything laid out for you. You don't know how this journey is going to work. You don't even know necessarily where you're going. This is what Abraham was called to. Verse 9. What happens in verse 9? By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, and then I love this next phrase, living in tents. That's kind of our Grand Canyon thing. There's actually a really cool connection we'll talk about in a few minutes with tents. He went and he lived in tents with Isaac and Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those, those generations of the book of Genesis, heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, why did he live in tents? Because he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. If you like to underline in your Bible or highlight in your Bible, looking forward is the phrase. We're going to come back to that phrase. That's the phrase that I really want you to go home with this morning. As you think about all the Christmas music and you think about what we've been led to, to reflect on this morning, looking forward is the phrase here. Verse 11, by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, because she considered him faithful who had promised. I just want to take a brief pause here on verse 11 with this story of Sarah. It's a good time to remember how hard the holiday season can be for couples who are facing infertility. 
uh, or, or folks who wanted to be married, hoped to have a child, and, and that's not the way that life has gone. This is a really important time over the next few weeks to remember people in your life who are in that season. They're celebrating, they're excited, but it's a hard season for couples who are facing infertility, for couples who are going through that experience. I want you to know if you're here in the room this morning that there are people in this room who know what that feels like, who would love you and pray for you and care for you over the next few weeks. It's hard. Your hope is in Jesus. You celebrate that, but there's still that pain in your marriage, pain in your life as you go through this. And so I just want to encourage you during this time, reach out, turn to people. There are people who love you and care for you and walk with you through that season. Verse 12, verse 12, it says, Therefore, from one man, speaking of Abraham, and him as good as dead, Abraham is very old at this time, from him were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Verse 13, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. 15. We're going to talk a lot next week about verse 15. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But verse 16 says, as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. In verses 17 through 22, I want you to look for how many times faith overcomes the threat of death. Watch this in 17 through 22, what happens in these verses. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. This is that famous story from Genesis 22 in the Old Testament where Abraham is prepared to offer his only son Isaac, the promised son. He who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. If you've ever wondered, how was Abraham able to trust God in that moment? How was he able to offer up the promised son, his only son Isaac? Well, look what happens in verse 19. Abraham considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Verse 20, by faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Here's what I want you to know this morning. Faith looks forward. Faith looks forward. At the very beginning of the call of Abraham, when he was even referred to just as Abram, as God called him out of his homeland, his place of security, he's teaching Abraham to always look forward. When Abraham gets to the promised land, there are so many things that could take this story sideways. I love that phrasing that Brittany put in her narration, where he, she said the turns in the plot twist, they're not catastrophes, they're catalysts. Every time it seems like the story is going to go off to the side of the road, God uses it to move the story ahead. And at the end of Abraham's life, he realizes he hasn't reached the ultimate promise, but he's still looking forward. When we believe that God is at work, we will always move forward. 
We will always look forward, knowing God is doing a new thing, knowing God is writing this perfect story. This is that quality, this is that characteristic that we want so badly in our kids, where you're teaching your kids the power of resilience. If something goes wrong, it's okay to recognize, it's okay to hurt, it's okay to cry, but we're going to get up and we're going to keep going. This idea that we are not going to be held back by what's happened in our past. We're going to learn from our past. We're going to seek justice if necessary in our past, but we are not going to be controlled and dominated by the past. We look forward. Why? Because we have a God who has overcome every obstacle. We have a God who empowers and drives his people forward. We have a God who keeps his promises. And so people of faith are those who look forward. And when you look forward, when you have eternal focus, you know what it allows you to do? It allows you to live faithfully for God right now. Eternal focus always leads to daily faithfulness. God, I believe you're in control of the future, so I want to live fully for you today. I want to give my life to you today. When we know what's coming, it allows us to have endurance. It allows us to have focus today. When I think about this reality, I think about a lady named Florence Chadwick. Okay? Florence Chadwick is probably not a name that you expected to come up this morning. You may never heard of the name Florence Chadwick. Here's who Florence Chadwick is. She was born in the year 1918 in San Diego, California. She grew up around the ocean, and she as a child became an accomplished swimmer, competitive swimmer, continued to move up in the ranks, became really well known in the swimming community. At the age of 34, on July 4th, 1952, she became, or she attempted to become, I should say, the first woman to swim from Catalina Island to the main coast of California, which is 21 miles. So she was going to swim this 21-mile journey from Catalina Island to the main coast of California. This day, the water was freezing cold. There was a ton of fog. She was surrounded by sharks on this trip across this area, and as she went, the fog became so bad that she couldn't see very far in front of her. And so she swam and swam and swam. And finally, after 16 hours in the freezing cold water, surrounded by sharks, she told her support team to pull her out of the water. When she got out of the water, she realized she was less than one mile from the shore. Two months later, she got back in the water and she broke not only becoming the first woman to swim that area, but she broke the male record for how long it takes to swim from Catalina Island to the shore. And she said, if I had known where the land was, if I could have seen the land, I would have kept going. How many people, when they can't see into the future, when they can't see what's coming, it causes them just to stop? Because she could see because she saw where the land was, the next time she was able to keep going. It's a great story, but here's the problem. I want you to hear clearly that the story of Christmas, the story of Christianity, is not swim harder and swim longer. The story of Christmas is even better. It's look to Jesus. It's look to Jesus. He is the one who has gone before you. He is the one who tells you not to swim harder and swim longer. He is the one who comes and rescues you, who empowers you, who drives you forward. I love the connections between the story of Jesus and the story of Abraham. The story of Abraham was always meant to point us forward to Jesus. Abraham was called to leave his homeland. Jesus, 
His calling took him out of his homeland and brought him to a new place. Abraham was involved in a situation where very late in his life, Abraham and Sarah were able to have a baby miraculously. Jesus came as a miraculous birth, except he came to a young virgin woman. Abraham, where did Abraham live? He lived in tents in the land. Do you know where Jesus lived? John chapter 1, verse 14 in your Bible says that Jesus as well lived in tents. Now you say, wait, I've never seen that in that verse. The same word that's used in Hebrews 11 to talk about Abraham living in tents is the very same word that's used in John chapter 1, verse 14, where it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's the word for pitching his tent, for living in a tent. Just what Abraham did is exactly how Jesus lived. Abraham saw what it was for God to rescue his son Isaac, to overcome death. What happens in the story of Jesus? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Isaac was rescued from death. Jesus went through death and experienced resurrection. And he has promised us eternal life and eternal hope. What I hope you hear this morning is that faith is able to move you forward in life because we learn to look to Jesus, because of what he has done, because of what you have sung about today, because of what you have heard today, that your hope for moving forward in life, your hope for eternity is who Jesus is and what he has done that we trust in him as Savior, that we confess him as Lord, and that we worship him as King. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you this morning for the gift of Christmas music. God, thank you for choir, just the gift of music. God, we we love this part of church life. And Father, as we gather We want to remember that the story of Christmas is not try harder, swim longer, do better. The story of Christmas points us to Jesus, that he has come. He has come as Savior. He has come as Lord and creator of all things. And he has come as the king who is worthy of our worship. And so, Father, as Brittany said earlier, that we live in a world where there's so much chaos and difficulty and suffering And it is easy to want to give up. Again, it's hard to think about moving forward. But remind us that faith teaches us to look forward. Faith moves us forward, not because of our willpower, but because we're looking to Jesus. And so, Father, we celebrate him as Savior. We want to live for him as Lord of our lives, and we want to worship him as King of kings, as the one who will return one day to make all things right. And we can't see that with our eyes right now, but we will leave that in faith and we will keep going because you are good and you are faithful. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.